morning. morning. Sorry, everyone. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning on a rather dreary day outside, but it is warm and cozy in here. Glad that you are here, whether you're joining us in person or online. As we come into worship this morning, I have several announcements for you. Uh, The first is a special welcome if you're visiting with us. We are glad that you are here and have chosen to spend this time uh, with us here at Northminster. If you would, please uh, pass the worship registry down your row. Make sure you fill that out. We promise not to show up at your house, but we do like to know who's worshiping with us on Sunday mornings. Also, we take communion here at Northminster every week. And if you're new with us, uh, just follow the folks around you. They'll show you how we do it if you'd like to join us. There are also instructions inside your order of worship. And if you are in need of a gluten-free wafer, get my attention when you come up. I'll make sure that you get one of those. After worship, we will have our uh, post-worship fellowship time um, and then a coordinating council meeting. So if you are on the coordinating council, please make sure uh, if you had forgotten that we are having that meeting after church today. You probably also noticed that there are some little purple strips of paper in your order of worship today. Uh, Those will come uh, and be used in our children's message, so try not to drop them. Um, I will explain that. We've done this before as we prepare for Lent. We put the hallelujahs away, so our children are going to help us do that this morning. Adults, this will be chaotic. Uh, Embrace it. We're going to embrace some chaos this morning. Also, you will notice, is youth happening tonight? No youth tonight. Uh, A Super Bowl. That's right. Um, Our Ash Wednesday service, if you can believe it, is coming up this week, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. And then uh, the following evening is Pub Theology at 7 at the Fat Pelican, if you would like to join us for that. And then Saturday the 17th, we will celebrate the life of Tracy Sandow. So busy week here at Northminster. I hope you can be part of all of those different um, celebrations and gatherings. Uh, The flowers this morning are absolutely gorgeous. Where's Marilyn? Marilyn, can these be taken? They can be. So after worship, if you would like to take some of these flowers, please do to brighten your day or someone else's. Very Valentine-themed this morning. Okay, Debbie, there was something about the last hymn. Uh, Verses 1, 4, and 5. Final hymn, verses 1, 4, and 5. If you sing the others, you're going to sing a solo. So, verses 1, 4, and 5 on our final hymn. And with that said, let's take a deep breath together. We take this deep breath to settle ourselves, to quiet our minds and our hearts, because this time that we have together is precious and special. So take a deep breath. If it helps you to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you can, breathe from your diaphragm. Don't pick your shoulders up. Breathe like a musician. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. Breathe out the laundry that's not done. It never will be. Breathe out the homework that's still waiting on you. As you breathe in again, Know that you are loved by God exactly as you are in this moment. And then let us worship together by joining in our call to worship, which is on the inside of your order of worship.
God of Abraham and Sarah. We thank you that you make yourself known to us. Disciples saw you in the shining face of Jesus. Descending in tongues of flame. For fiery epiphanies and not faint glimmers. Not knowing where you were leading. Teach us how to know your presence and to follow in your way.
Hello, young friends. How's everybody today? So for those of you who are here last year, do you remember this box? No, nobody? Yeah, I do. Okay, what do we do with this box? Does anybody remember? We put the things in there. What are those things called? Hallelujahs. Can we say that word a little better? Hallelujah. Hold on. Listen to me say it. Hallelujah. That's a little better. So we do that because... From the song and Trek. Okay, yes, yes, yes. That's where you've heard it before. So next week starts the season of Lent. And it's not like the Lent you find in your pocket. Lent is a time before Easter when we prepare for, uh, when we prepare for Easter. It's 40 days. And it is a time that's kind of quiet. It can be a little bit sad. Um, it's, it's not always a very happy time. And hallelujah is a happy word. It's a word that we use when we're excited, when good things happen. That's right. <laughs> and so during Lent, because we're getting ready for Jesus' death, it's a sad time. It's a time that's very somber is the grown-up word. All right, everybody focus. We're very excited today. So, for the season of Lent, we put the hallelujahs away. We literally are going to put them in this box, and we are not going to sing or say the word through the whole season of Lent. And that's where I need your help. So we've done this before, but I'm going to remind you of how this is going to work. In just a minute, adults, you can please stay seated. The adults are going to sing hallelujah, and it's in your order of worship. With a little melody, you're just going to sing that over and over again. And what you guys are going to do is go pick up the hallelujahs. Now, here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to run because this floor is concrete, and if you fall, it will hurt. You're not going to push or shove. If someone's hallelujahs have already been taken, it's no big deal. This is not a competition to see who gets the most, okay? So be kind to each other as you do this. Be respectful of each other. There are plenty. Each person out there should have two hallelujahs, if not more. Then we are going to, we're going to do the choir last. So I want everybody after this is the congregation out here, go to these people first. And then I want you to come back to me. And I'm going to send two of you up to the choir because we don't need everybody up there. And you will take the hallelujahs from the choir, and then we will talk a little bit more. Adults, when your hallelujahs are taken, you stop singing, okay? It will be abrupt. That's okay. Like I said, this is going to be hopefully lightly controlled chaos, all right? So, I would like for you to sit all the way down on your bottoms, please, until I tell you that we're ready. DH, you're good? Ready? Okay, DH is going to start playing. Now you may stand up, don't move yet. Let them start singing. And then when I say you can go, walk. Okay, we are walking. All right, choir, would you begin for us, please? You may go, walk.
way back. Everybody else sit. Everybody else sit. Okay. you there for a second, Parker. Thank you, Mark, for helping with the cleanup. Okay, so the hallelujahs, you did a wonderful job. Turn around, face me. You did a wonderful job. Thank you for being so patient and for making sure everybody got a turn. It's okay, you got a few. It was, like we said, not a competition. So these are going to stay in the box, and they are going to go up on the altar. And then on Easter Sunday, and unfortunately I won't be here to watch you do this, but on Easter Sunday, probably Miss Beth is going to help you hand these back out. Because on Easter, we celebrate. We celebrate that Christ is, has risen. Yes. No, we're not going to dump them out. They're just going to stay in the box. They're going to stay right here in this box so we know that they're there. Some churches, they bury them, but we're not going to do that. Yep, they bury them. I know. So, I want to thank you because what you did today was you helped lead worship and it was really important. It was a really good thing that you did because now all of our hallelujahs are in one safe place. So thank you very much for your help. No, we're not going to bury them. Now, what we are going to do is you're going to turn around and face the congregation. Let's not make faces. Turn around and face the congregation. Sitting on your bottoms, please. Adults, thank you for helping. And we will say our prayer, one line. I'll say it to you. You say it back to me nice and loud, but look at the congregation. And I should be able to hear you over the grown-ups, but you're welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you, O holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats now, guys. Thank you.
a reading from Psalm. Praise the Eternal. I will praise the Eternal for as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God as long as breath fills my lungs and blood flows through my veins. Do not put your trust in the rulers of this world. Do not expect any rescue from mortal men. As soon as their breath leaves them, they return to the earth. On that day, all of them perish, their dreams, their plans, and their memories. Blessed are those whose help comes from the God of Jacob, whose hope is centered in the eternal, who created the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that lives within them, who stays true and remains faithful forever, who works justice for those who are pressed down by the world, providing food for those who are hungry. The eternal frees those who are imprisoned, and makes the blind see and lifts up those whose backs are bent in labor and cherishes those who do what is right. The Eternal looks after those who journey in a land not their own and takes care of the orphan and the widow, but frustrates the wicked along the way. The Eternal will reign today, tomorrow, and forever. People of Zion, your God will rule forever over all generations. Praise the Eternal. The psalmist speaks. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are so thankful to gather in this warm, cozy, loving space. But we ask this morning that you remind us and keep us aware of those who don't have such spaces, whether physically or more metaphorically. Remind us that there are those in need around us that we can help, whether it's in offering and sharing what we have or maybe just spreading the news of this good place. Allow us to be your hands and your feet and your voice in the world when and where we can. Allow us to offer what we can offer. Allow us to be a safe place. But Lord, we also ask that you remind us that we are not perfect. There is always room for improvement, for growth, for change. Help us not to be afraid of those things. For our future, like everyone's, is unknown. But we believe, we are confident, that if we are faithful, if we are listening, if we are nimble, that we can and we will serve you. We give you thanks because you love us and you provide us with good things and with each other. And that is quite a gift. So we give you thanks in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. A reading from James. Put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you're going to find you've been deceived. God is the giver of all things and is looking for every opportunity to bless us. But many people have difficulty trusting and receiving good things, even when those things come from God. The problem is that we have not only have trouble trusting God's work in our lives, but we also don't always respond to God's voice. People often hear the scriptures but don't really listen. People store truths in their brains but never put them to use. For James, the only good religion is religion lived out every day. 
If some fail to do what God requires, it's as if they forgot the word as soon as they hear it. One minute they look in the mirror, and the next they forget who they are and what they look like. However, it is possible to open your eyes and take in the beautiful, perfect truth found in God's law of liberty and live by it. If you pursue that path and actually do what God has commanded, then you will avoid the many distractions that lead to an amnesia of all true things, and you will be blessed. If you put yourself on a pedestal, thinking you have become a role model in all things religious, but you can't control your mouth, then think again. Your mouth exposes your heart, and your religion is useless. Real, true religion, from God's perspective, is about caring for the orphans and widows who suffered needlessly and resisting the evil influence of the world. Words from Paul about true religion. Thanks be to God. Reading from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus went back into his own hometown where he had grown up, and his disciples followed him there. When the Sabbath came, he went into the synagogue in Nazareth and began to teach, as he had done elsewhere, and many of those who heard him were astonished. Those in the synagogue asked, Where did he gain this wisdom? And what are all these stories we've been hearing about the signs and healings he's performed? Where did he get this kind of power? Isn't this Jesus, 
the little boy we used to see in Joseph's carpenter shop. Didn't he grow up to be a carpenter just like his father? Isn't he the son of Mary over there and the brother of James, uh, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and the sisters? Who does he think he is? And when they had thought about it that way, they became indignant and closed themselves to his message. Seeing this, Jesus said, A prophet can find honor anywhere except his hometown, among his own people, and in his own household. He could not do any of his great works among them, except for a few of the sick, whom he healed by laying his hands upon them. He was amazed by the stubbornness of their unbelief. My friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. I'd like for us to start this morning uh, by having you think about a friend or a family member you haven't seen in a while. Perhaps someone you're Facebook friends with, but you haven't spoken to in years. Maybe a cousin you were close to as a kid, but who lives on the other side of the country. Or a college buddy you haven't seen since graduation. I'd like for you to call that person to mind and also call to mind who you were the last time you saw that person. How are you different? Were you younger? Maybe still single, not yet a parent? Maybe you didn't live in Monroe yet, or perhaps you met at a time before you became a working professional. Hold yourself and that long-ago friend in your mind, and consider what their reaction would be to suddenly running into you again. On top of their surprise at your reappearance, think about how they might react to your taking this reunion time to preach to them. If you took that opportunity to share your vast knowledge of scripture, how would they respond if you asked them to take a few minutes to talk about the kingdom of God? Do you think they would take reports about your new abilities to heal the sick by simply touching them seriously? And what would the look on your friend's face be if you introduced them to those dozen or so men who followed you everywhere and called you master? You know as well as I do, that old friend would think you were crazy, and with good reason. We've learned to be wary of people who claim to be able to heal others just by touching them. We've seen the dangers of following charismatic leaders who claim to have special powers due to places like Jonestown and outside of Waco. The itinerant lifestyle is now reserved most often for migrant workers who we certainly don't want to trade lives with. A man who claims to be the son of God is easily identified as being in need of mental health services. And we are cautious about folks who claim God speaks to them, which for the most part is a really good thing. Too often the church has 
done people harm by jumping in with both feet without looking to see who we're going to land on. Too often, well-intentioned church folks have done mission work to save people who neither want nor need saving. So some caution about people claiming to be prophets or healers or knowing the mind of God is a good thing. Discernment about the ordination of an individual who claims to have a calling is reasonable. But where we misstep is when we put limitations on the work that God can do. If we become so demanding and exclusive that no one can meet our standards, or if we dismiss sincere calling because it comes from an unexpected source, that's also a problem. And that is exactly what's happening in Jesus' less than warm reception in today's Mark story. We're told that Jesus comes to his hometown and teaches in the synagogue on the Sabbath. There's no mention of how long Jesus has been away from home, but we can surmise it's been a decent amount of time because the people who hear him teach are astonished. Now, it's important to note from the outset that there is very little about the people's response to Jesus that's positive. Although their questions about the source of Jesus' wisdom and the power of his hands sound straightforward, in reality, these hometown folks are wondering if Jesus is possessed. The belief, excuse me, the belief at this time was that this level of wisdom and the kind of power that Jesus is displaying were so great, they must be an element of demonic possession. And so the welcome for this hometown boy doesn't really ever warm up as the people of Nazareth move from wariness to outright contempt. Their labeling of Jesus as the carpenter, or in the Greek, tecton, is intended to point out such a status does not normally prepare one to be a wise man or a healer. This is just little Jesus who grew up around the corner, or Jesus the carpenter, who fashioned their tables and benches. For all of his fancy words, these people know this boy. It's insulting to be talked down to by someone they knew as a child, which is likely why the villagers bring up Jesus' family. Because though Judaism has been traced through the maternal line since the first century, at this point, it wasn't particularly common to trace genealogy through someone's mother. So the villagers are either commenting on Joseph's death in passing, he could be dead by now, we don't know, or more likely, given the tone of the exchange, they're insinuating that Jesus doesn't have a father by mentioning his mother. These people, these Nazareth natives, who've likely never been further than Jerusalem, know Jesus in his full humanity. To them, he's not the son of God, he's not the Messiah, he's Mary and Joseph's oldest boy. They know him as a sweet-faced baby and a potentially gawky teenager before his voice changed, not as one come to do the work of God. So were we really so surprised that they struggle with Jesus' new lordly identity? Is it really contempt and offense at what they saw, excuse me, is there contempt and offense at what they saw as Jesus uh, 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 speaking down to them 
really so hard to understand. How would we feel in their position? How would we react if Connor came back in 15 years and told us he was the Messiah? <laughs> For his part, Jesus is no more patient with the villagers than they are with him. Frustrated, perhaps even embarrassed, this was his big homecoming, after all. Jesus snaps off a response. A prophet has little honor in his hometown, among his relatives, or on the streets, as he played as a little child. And after healing a few people, because he can't do much more than that, we're told that Jesus leaves Nazareth. But let's not gloss over this unsuccessful homecoming as a mistake on Jesus' part, because his story does one of my favorite things in Scripture. It exposes Jesus' humanity. The story exposes Jesus' humanity. His fully human side is fully on display in this story from the moment the villagers respond to his teaching all the way through his, let's be honest, rather snarky response to their crass comments about his family. If Jesus didn't care or share any of our emotions, he wouldn't have responded with that line about prophets having no honor in their hometowns. But his feelings are hurt. This wasn't how Jesus anticipated this visit going, and it wouldn't be out of line to call this whole trip a big flop. But this story acts as a perfect foil for the one that follows, in which Jesus sends his disciples out into the world to help him spread the good news. Rather than allowing this messy visit to Nazareth to hold him back, Jesus models for his disciples exactly what they should do when their mission work doesn't go as planned, and when people they encounter make judgments about who can do the work of God. They're supposed to keep going, to keep walking, to shake the dust from their feet. A symbolic Jewish law held that soil from other countries was unclean. They're supposed to move on, as Jesus did from Nazareth. Now, there will be times the disciples share in the embarrassment Jesus experiences here in his hometown. But they travel lightly, accept the hospitality offered them, heal people, and preach the good news of Christ because that's the example they're given. It's the model they have to follow. It's the talk Jesus walks for them. So what's the good news for us this morning? How can we apply this story to our lives? How can we walk the talk? Well, first, I don't suggest putting on your best pair of sandals and walking to Ruston to share the gospel. Not because I don't think that it's necessarily a bad idea, but uh, Jesus had no concept of modern roads when he gave the disciples their instructions. He didn't know anything about cars. It's just not a safe choice. If you want to preach to people, go in your car. Jesus would understand that. It's okay. I also wouldn't recommend counting on strangers to take you in if you show up at their front door again, not because I think people are kind and unwelcoming, but because hospitality has changed a bit since Jesus' time. We have handguns now. Uh, we're more wary of strangers these days. If you feel like going away, make a hotel reservation. Jesus will understand. Now, I'm speaking tongue-in-cheek, but the reality is the world looks quite a bit different than it did when Jesus gave his disciples their travel guidelines. 
But the good news continues to be that God appreciates and understands each and every one of our attempts, whether they are successful or not, to share the story of Christ. Perfection, even success, is not required just as they were not for Jesus while he was in Nazareth because God created his humanity and ours. Our imperfection, our emotion, our missteps, our need for grace, all of these things are what God loves about us. Not that God loves us in spite of these things. These are what God loves about us. Not despite our imperfections, imperfections and all. With that kind of love behind us, the rest of the good news is that what we're called to as Christ followers isn't perfection, it's to continue the work. It's not the saving of as many souls as possible, it's perseverance. When the rest of the world wonders, why bother with this church thing anymore? It's not telling people they're wrong, It's fully accepting people because they are children of God. It's not lamenting what we have or don't have or can't do as a congregation, but celebrating our strengths, our history, and our ability to be nimble in the face of a changing world. So, my friends, let's keep doing the work of Christ. Let's continue to look for ways to serve our community and do it face-to-face. Let's redefine for people who don't understand what it means to be Baptist. By the way, this is a Baptist church. Let's welcome any and all who come through our doors because we recognize the face of Christ in them. Let's listen better for unexpected voices speaking the truth of God. And let's resist the temptation to put up walls between ourselves and those who look and speak differently than us. Let's be humble. Let's be sincere. And let's walk the talk of Jesus. Amen.
As we come to this time of communion, we remember, don't worry, Wes, we'll pop it back on. No big deal. As we come to this time of communion, we remember that this is the celebration of the heavenly feast. All around the world, people, people gather around tables just like this one. This is a special and sacred place, and we gather here every week because communion, this simple meal, is at the center of who we are as believers. This connects us directly with Jesus in a way that few other things can. Now, this is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guests, and Christ is the host, and there is a seat here with your name on it. So kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. We are on holy ground. All are wanted, and all are welcomed here, no matter our doubts, our shortcomings, our failures, our griefs. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated, you are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. And now if you would, please join me for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around the table. Because of his relentless pursuit of love and willingness to be vulnerable, he would be seized by those in power. Now this shouldn't be a surprise, because still today we often crucify the ones who dare to risk it all, on love. But before he was taken, Jesus introduced this meal to his followers. For though he knew the end was coming, he joined with those he loved and trusted most. And as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, Remember me. And then, in the same way, when the meal was over, Jesus picked up a cup, he filled it with wine, and he blessed it. And during his blessing of that cup, Jesus reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. My friends, Christ makes us the same pledge and promise. Thanks be to God. Amen.
seated, please, if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to ask Prince and Angela and Addie to come join me up front. I think Addie's in the back running our tech this morning. There he is. Y'all come up and stand right here with me, if you would. And I owe the three of you an apology. They're coming today to join our church. I didn't realize you weren't already members. I had somehow forgotten (laughs) because you were so wonderfully faithful. You help with communion every week. We are so honored by your presence. All three of these young folks are students at ULM studying. Are we all studying the same thing? Oh, it's all studying biology. And are coming to join our church today, which of course is a wonderful gift. If you all would receive them into our fellowship, would you respond by saying yes? Yes. I hope you heard how loud that was. (laughs) Please come up and greet them after the service. Let them know how excited we are to have them here. We are thrilled. You may go back to your seats now. Thank you. Please stand for our final hymn. Now hear this benediction. May God bless you with distaste for superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. 
And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen.